What's up, everybody? We're here with the 47th episode of Fear Frequency, and for our new listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where we round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Frizzard. And if you're a new listener, I'm sorry I kind of lost my voice. I've been shooting at work all day, but we'd appreciate it if you gave us a review over on iTunes. And remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show. Um, we also have two new reviews on iTunes this week. So uh, Wow. Uh, two. Yeah, two. Big, big week for us. Uh, <laughs> our first review is from Fanhattan Fan, who says, <laughs> Favorite horror podcast. Can't wait to see the notification telling me that they have uploaded a new episode every week with five stars. So thank you for that, Fanhattan Fan. Cool. And uh, we have another review from Catwoman or Crazy Cat Lady, who says, My favorite podcast. I love horror movies, and I love podcasts. This is my favorite podcast. I just stumbled on it because I watched a movie and wanted to hear a decent discussion about it. These guys are funny, knowledgeable, and make very great points. I highly recommend. Give us five stars as well, so thank you very much. Damn, that's awesome. That's cool that someone just, like, found us. I wonder what movie they were watching that made them search it out. Yeah, I mean, you assume it would be something that was, like, maybe not that popular, not like yeah. a, like a, the nun or something. Maybe it was Summer of '84 or something. Maybe a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. I was about to art. say I don't want to quantify the least popular movie we've talked about, and then I was like, "There's actually like seven movies I could pick." So. <laughs> I mean, that's like the most recent kind of indie movie that we've done. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> but that's cool. I'm glad that uh, they found the show, and I'm glad people uh like it when they figure when they find us all right so george before we get into what we're going to be talking about this week i wanted to bring something to the listeners attention so while i was on uh itunes last week looking up reviews of the show because i asked you guys to leave us more reviews last week and i wanted to see if you listened and you did so thank you i noticed that there's a new show on itunes and uh, i told you about it what's it called uh it is the fear frequency right and I noticed this, I clicked into it, and it's a horror podcast where two guys review a horror movie, specifically Halloween in the first episode, and uh, that sounds a lot like our podcast. Yeah, pretty eerily similar. <laughs> right, so I go on Twitter, I try and see if they have a social, they do, it's The Fear Frequency, or whatever, on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, okay, so they definitely typed in Fear Frequency, they, they knew we existed, there's no way they didn't, but I give them the benefit of the doubt. I tweet at their podcast account and I say, hey, can you send me an email at jimmy at fearfrequency.co so we can talk about this because I already have a podcast called Fear Frequency. No response. So the next day I go to the host, the main host, his name is CEO Hayes. He goes by CEO because I listened to their podcast just to see what it was about. And I said, I DM'd him politely and I said, hey, my name's Jimmy. I have a podcast called Fear Frequency. We've been doing it for over a year. We own the rights to the name. We have a website. We have all the social accounts. I'd really appreciate it if you just kindly and respectfully changed your name because it's identical to ours. They just added a the before Fear Frequency. And I it's been like four days and the guy hasn't answered. And he set his Twitter account to private but didn't close up his DMs. So obviously he just didn't know that he wasn't actually hiding anything from me and I could still contact him. I don't really know what to do because like this guy knows we have a podcast. He knows we own the rights to it. I don't know what his goal is because if we take legal action against him, he will assuredly lose. So I don't, I don't really understand what the goal is, but it's frustrating nonetheless. Yeah. And it's definitely immature (laughs) to handle it that way where, um, you see that some other 
you know, media creator has the same uh, name that you do, and you just refuse to back down, even though they have obviously been building it up for over a year and have a decent following, and you're, I don't know if they're trying to capitalize on what we've done, or if they're trying to, um, they just like the name and want to use it also, but it just seems um, like not the best way to approach it, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, I don't have a problem with them using the same format as us. It's just that in tandem with the identical name. That's where it's just irritating. Obviously, we don't have a monopoly on this format. I think Modern Horrors does it almost identically to us, too. Or we do it identically to them. But it's, like, they stole our name, they stole our format, and they don't really care. So I'm going to try DMing the guy again, but I'm probably going to just go leave a one-star review over on iTunes and say hey, email me back and I will delete this one-star review because that seems to be the best way to get someone's attention when they're trying to launch a podcast is by leaving a bad review Uh, because, of course, they don't have a website. They just have their Twitter and their podcast. So it's frustrating. That's just something we're going through. Um, I don't know why anyone would, but if you've ever gone through something like this, feel free to email me and give me some tips or advice. But right now I'm pretty pissed, just to be totally honest. Uh, It's definitely a really frustrating situation. So um, hopefully we can get it all squared away pretty soon and not have to uh, do anything too drastic. I mean, it's just a sign that we're doing something right because people are trying (laughs) to steal it. It's it's exactly what happened when that guy stole my video uh, for his Instagram account. But anyways, let's get into the positive stuff, George. This week, we are coming at you live from Georgia, I think. Since we're officially into October, it's going to be a bigger episode. We have Friday the 13th legal updates, news on last year, the nightmare, and a review of Hellfest. But before we get into that, Dr. Loomis, he's calling me with an eerily similar call to the last 47 episodes, or whenever we started this. It sounds like he's dying in Haddonfield, which means we have a Halloween alert. So, first up on here, George, we got to talk about this. We're going to Salem, Massachusetts. Well, I'm flying out tomorrow, you're flying out Thursday, and we're going to be seeing Halloween Thursday night. Yeah. Two days away. Yeah. It's, uh, it hasn't really hit me yet that we're going to see Halloween early and going to Salem, Mass to check it out and do some cool witch stuff while we're there, but um, it's definitely something I'm super excited for, and uh, I'm just, I can't wait. So, like, this is going to be a cool trip because I just went there. So all the best places are fresh in my mind. We're going to be able to get far from the tree ectoplasm. We're going to have all the good food, and we're going to get to see Halloween. I just, I'm so excited, dude. I'm so stoked. Yeah, it's cool to be able to get to uh, see the movie a bit early. We were lucky that um, <laughs> that this festival kind of stealth release that they were showing an early screening yeah. of the movie. So we were able to get tickets for cheap. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm really excited bucks. for it. Yeah, it's, um, it's cool to have... A, be able to get a little early look at something that we've been talking about for what feels like six months at this point <laughs> dude i've been making videos about it since like january <laughs> i think my first video went up so i'm pretty excited to finally see it uh and of course if you see us at the screening which i'm sure you will because this is like a tiny one screen theater feel free to say hi we're both really approachable people i think next up on here 
EW released their kind of like Halloween issue featuring Laurie Strode on the cover, which is kind of awesome. But their writer, I think his name is Clark Collis. He went all out on writing some awesome articles and I kind of went through them all. And the first thing that kind of stuck out to me was that he got David Gordon Green to explain why it's just called Halloween. And he said, that was a weird discussion. You know, do we call it the shape? Do we call it Halloween Returns? What do you call it? Technically, it's the third Halloween too. It kind of got to the point where we were like, well, we don't want to not invite anybody. We don't want someone who is unfamiliar with the previous films to think, well, I need to catch up. And he said, so then we just thought for simplicity, let's just call it Halloween. And I get it, but I think that's kind of a weak defense because like, it's also the third Halloween. So calling it the third Halloween too doesn't really hold water. And if I saw that the movie was called Halloween 2, I wouldn't say, oh, I need to watch Halloween 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> I, you know? It's also kind of a weird uh, argument because they push so heavily that this is picking up directly after the original Halloween. So It's not a reboot. It's not, it's a, not a reboot. Rebo- it's not even like a soft reboot. Like It involves characters that exist in the original movie, and you'll be lost yeah. if you haven't seen the original Halloween. <laughs> so it's weird that... That it is a just titled Halloween One, as if you can just walk into this one and be like, "Yeah, I know nothing about this series or Michael Myers as a character, and I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm sure that you can sit down and enjoy yourself, and they'll do some backstory." But I feel like <laughs> uh, you'd be definitely doing a disservice if this is your first Halloween movie you've ever seen. Yeah, just go watch the first one, and the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and the fifth one. And then you can stop. <laughs> but it's it's definitely a weird argument. Like, I get that, obviously, they want to call it Halloween because they want the most people to go and see it in the theaters. Like, I think basically that argument was we don't want people to be discouraged from seeing the movie when it comes out. And they obviously want to have the most butts and seats possible. Right. Um, which I get. George, I'm, I'm going to pitch you a title. Yeah. Halloween Returns. What do you think of that? I think that would work. I think that'd be completely fine. <laughs> like, I don't see any big issue with that at all. It's it's weird. I don't really get it. Like, or like, it's just kind of like weird. Halloween, the Revenge of Laurie Strode, or something. Yeah, that's what they should have called it. Like, they were gonna call H twenty that. Right. H twenty. You guys listening? It's called H <laughs> twenty. Really rubbing that one in, putting salt oh, in the yeah. wound. Uh, I would die on that hill. <laughs> Do not test me. This guy was like, oh, you're finally saying it right. And I'm like, no, I'm saying it wrong. So you guys will stop bitching at me. <laughs> In one of my videos. But next up on here, Fangoria is back. Uh, if you didn't know, we kind of talked about this, I think. But it's coming back as a quarterly magazine. And of course, they're launching with a Halloween issue. And for this cover, they went back to their roots and did this new, like retro style new magazine for Fangoria Volume 2, Issue 1, features Michael on the cover. You get a clear shot of his fucked up left eye, which is kind of cool. They got Suspiria on the cover. They got the unfilmed Chainsaw sequel, which I didn't know was real. And uh, it says he's back. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought this was a cool cover. I like the kind of half face with the knife covering the, I guess, good half, if you could call it that, and uh, really emphasizing that dead eye that got poked out by the coat hanger. But um, Yeah, I, I wanted to buy this just individually, but 
right now what it looks like is you can only subscribe to all four issues for a year mm-hmm. which is sixty dollars and i get that it's a bigger quarterly magazine but i'm not paying 60 bucks up front for something that's an entirely new team and like granted they have some good talent on that team i want to know what i'm getting into honest uh, honestly so i'd like to just be able to pay a little bit more for this first issue, see what I'm getting, and then maybe upgrade to a subscription. I think that would have been a more fair way to do it, but uh, I'm assuming this will be on some sort of newsstands eventually, or I'll be able to read it on my iPad or something, but like, I don't know, just paying 60 bucks plus shipping and handling up front to a brand new thing doesn't seem like the smartest move, because like, I've read Fangoria when I was a kid a little bit, but I don't have the connection to it that a lot of people who are older than us do. Right, and 60 bucks is a bit steep for something you're only going to get four issues of in a year. I'm Yeah. Especially if you kind of only want something like this related to Halloween as more of a collector or something like that. Because, um, like, I'd gladly pay, you know, the 20 bucks or whatever for this, just this one. Me too. So I, I would... I would assume that it would be like 20 bucks individually and I'm sure they'll sell it. It's just weird that I can't pre-order it because it shipped already for people who subscribed to the full year or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of weird, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I want to read it. Yeah. And I think a, the people behind it are cool. pay service, but um, if you can get your hands on it, it does seem like a cool issue. It'll definitely have some interesting information in there. I'm really interested in that Texas Chainsaw story because I think what they're getting at is, uh, I forget who owned the rights to Chainsaw. I think it was Lionsgate. The reason they put out Leatherface when they did was so they wouldn't lose the rights, but they missed it by like two days somehow. I don't know how you do that. And they ended up losing the rights, but it took a little bit for them to realize they lost the rights. So I'm assuming they had already started working on a new Texas Chainsaw movie. And that's the one that wasn't filmed that the magazine's talking about. But I would like to read about that. Yeah. um, I know Leatherface was not great. And we actually reviewed that, I believe, in the first episode of the show. Uh, Yeah. uh, A long time ago. Yeah. I I obviously wouldn't expect another movie in that universe to be any good. Uh, I think we kind of concluded that Leatherface at this point is kind of a dead meme. So There's only really one good movie. The first one. The second one's okay. Like, it's funny and campy. But... The first one's the only really good one, I think. Yeah, so, um, I think... Like, some people like the remake. I think the remake is a decent remake, at least. Like, it sticks to the yeah. roots and has some okay actors in it and kind of modernizes the tale a bit, but it's it's still not as good as the original. Um, I don't know. I don't really look forward to anything coming out of that series, so... <laughs> It'd be, I mean, I guess if they had an interesting idea to work off of and they were really trying something new with it or really trying to put a new creative spin on it that sounds interesting, I'd be into that. But um, Uh as it stands, like, if they just released Leatherface 2, that is not something I'm into. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's not going to happen, so it's okay. They lost the rights. They have to do something completely new. (laughs) Whoever has it now, I don't know who has it. Um, probably Warner Brothers. They're buying up everything. Yeah, trying to ex- get that uh, new cinematic universe money after the Conjuring series is doing so well. Yeah, so next up on here, there's a full clip from Halloween out, and it kind of spoils a death that everyone already knew was happening, but it's a pretty cool clip. Did you watch it? 
Uh, I didn't watch this clip because I feel like they're putting out almost too many extended clips and trailers with recutting and new footage, and I feel like they're showing almost the whole movie at this point. So yeah, this is just a scene, like a straight up scene. It's you know in the first trailer when Michael punches his hands through the windows, yeah, the door, right? It's that. It's like the one minute before that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It just there's a character you see kind of get choked in the first trailer. And then you just see him on the ground in this scene. <laughs> so this is obviously from the beginning of the movie. You're like right after Michael escapes. It, the, the cool thing to focus on it is the score. It's It sounds totally new, but it fits in with Halloween. I think that's the only thing worth focusing on. Uh, other than that, it looked cool. We don't talk about it too much, though, because the movie's out soon. So whatever. And the next thing on here kind of makes my blood boil. So, <laughs> dude. The reason that it took so long to reboot Halloween was because after Halloween Resurrection, the Akkads had... Tr- oh, after Rob Zombie's sequel, the the Akkads had trouble getting people to fund a movie with the bloated budget that they were asking for. So they kind of had this idea to take Halloween to the TV. And everyone thought that once Blumhouse kind of convinced them that they should go with a micro-budget movie, like, for obvious reasons, that the TV show was not going to happen anymore but bloody disgusting asked malakakad about it and he said that the tv show is still on the table and not only that it'll feature michael myers in some way uh not into this whatsoever no the, the thing that's really annoying about this is that a tv series would be the perfect avenue to do non michael myers related stories in the halloween universe where like a young loomis like or like a haddonfield or smith's grove show i mean anything you could do like oh you mean like an anthology yeah like every season yeah 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 yeah, yeah. different or you could have you know how you could pick it up after halloween one and do something in between that and this new movie where like the cult status of michael myers in haddonfield grows how did the legend expand after his original killings to when he came back and you know like there's so many interesting stories you could tell in that universe or just make creepy stories and set it in Haddonfield or around the area and just kind right. of have easter eggs sprinkled throughout that relate to like if castle rock had a plot and was good <laughs> right <laughs> right like you could have people go to uh you know anywhere like go to the elementary school where tommy doyle is in halloween one or you know like have a young mr bracket doing something or like there's just... yeah like the possibilities are totally endless the problem is horror tv just doesn't do well unless it's the walking dead or american horror story you know like or stranger things i guess so even if they created this amazing anthology show it would probably do bad especially considering that ash versus evil dead couldn't even keep big numbers like i don't know it's just it's like Gotham, you know, like Gotham doesn't do that well. I don't understand how that show keeps getting fucking renewed. Right. And if you have it's... one main character, the the name alone can't carry the whole show is basically the issue. Having Michael Myers right. in it is not going to be enough if the rest of the show isn't good. And I don't know if there would be enough effort or money or whatever needs to be there to make it a good show. And you look at Trancast, which is the company that... I guess, like, Malika Cod's film company is Trancast International. They're the ones who own the rights to Halloween, obviously. 
And you look at what they own, and they own jack shit, like, excluding Halloween. So I can see why he's always thinking ahead in the future. But you have this company, Blumhouse, who just made a movie that's largely being called the best one since the original, which your dad couldn't accomplish and you couldn't accomplish on your own. And your next move is not to say, hey, these guys did a great job. They should probably make a sequel. You're going to go out and start talking about a TV show that might or might not happen. It's just scummy to me, honestly, and like kind of minimizes all the work that went into making this movie right. And it makes it look like he doesn't even care. You know, it makes it look like he couldn't care less that they went through all this trouble to get this movie as right as they could get it. And all he sees is dollar signs with this franchise. And that sucks. It just sucks. Yeah, it's kind of scary because that was kind of the issue that plagued the series the first time around, where uh, first one made huge money, Malika Akkad... Um, made buku bucks. Yeah, um, or not Malika, uh, Mustafa Akkad immediately right. funded the sequel because he was like, that first one made tons of money. And then they did three, three didn't make any money because Michael Myers wasn't in it. And then they're like, we're bringing back Michael Myers, and which led to the Michael Myers fatigue that we obviously faced um, by bringing him back in more ridiculous ways and just kind of having him not uh, kind of lose some of that special essence to him and just kind of right he's not scary past like two right so kind of kind of in four i guess i don't know i think there's something to be said about like the less you use him the scarier he is and if this movie does huge dollars and they say well now we're gonna make a tv show with them and we're gonna make a sequel and make another sequel and just fall into the exact same trap that made michael myers less scary and less interesting as a character uh that happened the first go around then that is obviously not the direction that i think a lot of fans myself included uh would be into right i don't i don't know i just it's worth bringing up obviously because you got to keep an eye on this shit behind the scenes but it, it i wish he would have at least just waited until this movie was out for a little bit before talking about the next thing it's like dude i mean and to be fair he ended the interview by saying just getting across the finish line for this one that's the goal right now we've got the wind at our back everything looks good before we start talking about anything else it's all about the movie the show is something that there's been some discussions and i guess that's fine but it feels like he only said that because he realized what he was saying and needed to backtrack a little bit i don't know i just if i was working on halloween and i put all this work and, you know, they've got Jamie Lee Curtis coming in and doing all these awesome photo shoots. And she's doing these interviews and bringing back Laurie Strode the right way. You've got the shape coming back. The mask looks great. The movie's being called great. You've got John Carpenter doing the soundtrack. And then you've got this guy just going around talking about some TV show. Like, who gives a fuck about a TV show, dude? Yeah, it, like, de- it definitely feels like a money grab before the new movie's even out, which is worrying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to say about it. It's just... Keep it on your radar, and if things start to develop with it, I think it's like, I think the fans should definitely let the people involved know that this shouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, but uh, I mean, we'll just have to see uh, see what happens with it at this point. It's still too early to really do anything about. Right, but keep it on your radar. Yeah. So speaking of Halloween, Shutter announced their October lineup. And when we predicted, well, George predicted that they were getting more money based on uh, how well Joe Bob Briggs did, he wasn't wrong. So just yesterday on October 1st, they posted Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5, which if you have Shudder for five bucks a month, that's that's like, that's awesome. That's I, really good right there. I feel like this is the first time I've ever seen 
those on a streaming service, especially Halloween 1. I don't think I've ever seen that streaming anywhere before. I haven't either. And I had to watch the other ones on YouTube TV, and they were AMC's cut down of 4 and 5 for my reviews. But that's really cool. I think those are huge, huge gets. Um, And it's cool they were able to put them out on October 1st, so it gives everybody who's a subscriber plenty of time to fit those in to their uh, horror movie schedules throughout the month. Yeah, but that's not it. They've got today on October 2nd, they posted like every Alfred Hitchcock classic pretty much. But the two that I thought were worth like noticing and like telling you guys about were Rear Window and Psycho. They also have Rope, which I really like. Then on October 8th, you're getting a great movie called Late Phases. It's about a blind Vietnam vet who has to kill a bunch of werewolves. It's a great movie. That movie is a uh, ton of fun, and uh, yeah, dude, we love that movie. Yeah, the main characters. We are... we should review that movie one day. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I'd love to do a rewatch of it. Um, and that movie is something that is really fun that I'd like to fit into my October schedule. Yeah, and then on October 11th, they're posting a new movie that they acquired called Terrified. I think it's in Spanish, but it's. I heard it's really actually scary. It premiered at Fantastic Fest, and it won a bunch of awards there as being one of the best movies there. It apparently is a sort of anthology movie that takes place on a haunted street instead of a haunted house. And each of the five different stories or whatever it tells have a really good scare moment, I heard. So George and I have that, and we'll probably talk about it closer to the 11th around Telluride. And then finally on October 25th, you get Butcher's Block, which is season three of, uh, what's it called, Channel Zero. And then you get Summer of 84. So that's a pretty solid month. And that's just the ones that I thought were notable. There's some other movies they announced too. Yeah, I mean, I think the total list is at least 30 movies um, that are all like fairly noteworthy. And uh, Shudder released a full list of them on their Twitter. So if you want to check that out, go follow them. But um, I'm very happy with this kind of lineup because not only is this cool for subscribers because you have a bunch of new good horror content to watch throughout the month of October, but uh, it is kind of a good sign for things to come for the next two Joe Bob specials coming to us later this year and his series coming uh, in 2019. Yes. And if you're waiting for more stuff that's original content on Shudder that doesn't feature Joe Bob Briggs, which I don't get why, but (laughs) you could be, they revealed their poster for their new creep show anthology show that they're doing that's exclusive to Shudder, and you can actually get it at uh, New York Comic Con. They made 500 copies of it, and they'll be giving them away at their booth, which is number 330. But they got a quote from uh, Greg Nicotero, who's the classic showrunner on The Walking Dead, who kind of saved that show for the most part and then ended up leaving it. He said, Creep Show is a project very close to my heart. Uh, he's working with Tom Savini. And he said, it's one of those titles that embraces the true spirit of horror. Thrills and chills celebrated in one of its truest art forms. The comic book come to life. I'm honored to continue the tradition in the spirit in which it was created. So did you look at this poster? Yeah, this actually looks really cool. It's done in the old school kind of comic book cover art where it's that kind of cell shaded pop art. Um, And there's like a mummy being uh excavated it looks like yeah and uh, it just looks cool like um i think creep show one and two are both pretty fun and i like to revisit them uh around this season 
and I think it's kind of right at home to do a show with them, and it seems like, oh yeah, totally uh, great original content for Shutter to pick up, and I feel like they'll definitely. It seems like they have the right people involved to make it something that's going to be actually a quality product. So that's exciting to hear. And if this poster is any indication of how much they're paying attention to the source material and how good they want it to be, then the show is actually going to be something uh, people should watch out for and should subscribe to Shutter to check out. Yeah, definitely. So I thought that was cool. So if you're going to New York Comic Con, again, go to Shutter's booth, which is 330, and they have 500 of these posters to give away. And I honestly think you should try and get one because they're pretty cool. So next up on here, this is really complicated, so I tried my best to boil it down, <laughs> but there's a Friday the 13th legal update, and I guess Victor Miller won the first round of the lawsuit. So what that means is that Sean Cunningham, whose company is called Horror Inc., owns Friday the 13th, the name, but Victor Miller owns the story and all of the characters. So... If they ever want to make a new Friday the 13th movie, they're going to have to come to some sort of settlement, basically. So, which is what will probably happen because Sean, uh, Sean Cunningham, he obviously says he's going to appeal it. But that's a lot of work and he'll probably lose. So I think the best interest would obviously be for him and Victor Miller to settle. Which is weird. <laughs> and you know what's even weirder? The lawyer telling everyone all this stuff played Shelley in one of the movies. <laughs> He's a lawyer now, which is just bizarre. Uh, but I don't know. It's 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 weird. Some weird legal shit. Yeah, it, it's also complex now that, I don't know, it's like, <laughs> at this point, either you can't really make any new content because one person's going to have the right to certain things and the other person's going to have the right to the other and they'll never be able to get the full picture anymore. And that'll cause right. issues for future movies, games, basically anything they're going to be doing <laughs> in this universe with this license so uh, like you said if they ever really want to have any more quality content come out with this Friday the 13th uh, insignia then they need to get together or figure out a way that they can both benefit off of it and kind of share ideas or share what they each own the rights to <laughs> Even it's so weird like I don't know I get so Initially, it was thought that Victor Miller was suing Sean Cunningham, but it's actually the other way around. Victor Miller was like, hey, I created these characters and this story before I was an employee for you, and I have proof. So Sean Cunningham was like, no, you're not getting any royalties, and I'm suing you, I guess. That's a generalization, obviously, but <laughs> it's a mess. I don't know. But the, prob the problem at the heart of all this is that while this is going on, we're not getting any new Friday the 13th movies, which I'm sure pains a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a lot of people's, you know, one of their favorite series of horror movies. And I think once the new Halloween comes out, and if it does as big numbers as what it's projected to do, I think other studios are going to look at their old properties like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Nightmare on Elm Street, and they're going to want to try to bring these back again. And it's going to be weird that Jason's not going to be able to come out to play because <laughs> there's gonna be all this weird legal shit around him and no one's gonna be able to benefit off of this kind of slasher resurgence that might come through right 
Um, it's just, it's complicated. I just thought it was worth bringing up because it was a big development. Honestly, if you want to know more about it, go watch Slashing Cast on YouTube. They are like the Friday the 13th guys and they break it down really well. So go check out their video if you want to know more. And then next up on here, uh, last year, The Nightmare, which is, I think it might've been the first one of these asymmetrical horror games announced, like way before Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th, like before Friday the 13th was called Friday the 13th. Was I think last sleep summer, summer camp or camp, whatever. Yeah. 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 I think last year was announced before all of them and it's coming out this fall through discord. Discord has a game store coming out and it'll be exclusive to that game store for three months. But once it launches on steam three months later, uh, you'll be able to play with steam people on the discord version and vice versa. So it's not like you're going to be locked off server-wise. But they released a trailer for it. And this game, dude, this game looks fucking awesome. Yeah, one thing that I really like about it, I guess, like, in-universe lore-wise, is that the creature that kills them all is basically um, a tulpa, where it takes the form of the people's fears and feeds off of that and becomes more powerful. So yeah. it kind of explains away why all these different creatures are chasing down these people and like why they all exist in universe together and it's because it's like the same thing but taking different forms which i think is a cool good way to explain away like oh it's like a a way out to keep adding more characters and more customization and keep changing it up without having to kind of explain new storylines or having to fall back on licensed characters like uh, Dead by Daylight, which uses the Michael Myers and Freddy and all that. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like... So the cool thing about this game is that instead of just giving you busy work to do if you're a survivor, you actually have weapons and tools and gadgets. And you can kill the uh, the killer. You can kill the monster. And the monster respawns, obviously, but it, every time it dies, it takes longer to be able to come back. But the biggest thing that I think we need to focus on is how polished this game looks it looks like a triple a game yeah just from the gameplay and the trailer like it has great graphics the controls look sick the characters are fleshed out like it looks triple a unlike friday the 13th and dead by daylight which neither of them ever looked anything close to this even in trailers it definitely has that extra level of polish on it even in the trailers you can see um that they really have put a little bit extra effort into making sure that it looks more professional i guess would be the the right way to say it it looks more yeah you know like it's ready to go to market like that people can play this without experiencing a bunch of weird technical issues or bugs or glitches right and the trailer they released has this part where a kid is running down the hallway of a school and then a jason type killer smashes through the roof and comes down on him with an axe and it might be the coolest scene i've seen in a horror game ever it's fucking awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, I don't know if situations like that are going to be um, Possible. level specific where maybe if you perch on, <laughs> like, like maybe if you are the killer and you perch on top of the school over the skylight, you can kind of wait and then do a button prompt and cinematically drop on people or you yeah. can set a trap <laughs> to do that. And I don't know if that's like kind of a one-off thing where if you're in this exact spot and this exact situation happens you can do this or if they can create those really interesting cinematic moments on the fly so that'll be interesting to see how that's incorporated 
Yeah, and I did a little digging around online, and the rumor is that the game is done, but they're just waiting on Discord to announce when they're actually going to release their game store. And I really hope Discord can get their shit together with that and make sure that that launches in October, because like, there's no horror games this October coming out. And this game, if this game drops right now while Friday the 13th is crippled and basically dead and Dead by Daylight is getting stale, like they could take the throne, which would be really cool. Yeah, now would be the time to kind of come out and take that market if um, if they can get everything infrastructure-wise set up and going so that it doesn't uh, crash and burn on its opening weekend. Right, so I really, I'm excited about this game. I think we'll both probably end up getting it through Discord, right? Like, just so we can play it right when it's out. Yeah, and I mean, there's really no point in not getting it then, because even if it comes out on Steam three months later, like you said, there's no issue with playing uh, with those people either. So I don't see why you would. Yeah, get and it I like I like Discord. I think Discord's really cool. Yeah, I mean, so. we use it every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we use it for the show. So go Discord. Uh, so next up here, the Happy Death Day sequels title came out, and it's called Happy Death Day to You, like number two you which is like haha kind of cute and it comes out on valentine's day so there's not really much news other than that jessica roth's coming back which is cool uh they're continuing right where the movie leaves off i'm excited for this yeah i like the first one more than i expected to i think i even rewatched it um like a month or two ago and i still really liked it um but i don't really know where else the story has to go from yeah me neither uh where it where it ends off it feels kind of self-contained and uh like a complete story so i don't know what other avenues are going to explore in a direct sequel which seems kind of weird to me but yeah right um i mean if the same people are involved and they have a good idea i don't see any reason not to check it out when it comes out i mean obviously we don't have any kind of trailer to reference or any big plot details yet but um i'm cautiously gonna give this a shot and not <laughs> shoot it out of the air immediately because i think that the original has a lot of interesting ideas and uh, the sequel could prove to also be cool right i agree i just want to let people know that there was an update on that and the next thing on here is another small story but jocelyn donahue who people might know from uh, house of the devil might ring some bells One of my she just favorites. signed on yeah, she just signed on to Mike Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. And I'm conflicted about this because every week I have to bring up, like, I think it's a rule now that I have to bring up that I don't really think Mike Flanagan's movies are anything special. <laughs> but having her sign on, that gets me interested. She's great. Yeah, she's a great actress. She, um, and it's cool because she's not the only good actress that signed on for the movie so far. Uh, we also have Ewan McGregor and... Um, Rebecca Ferguson, so... Yeah, those are both good actresses. Right, I love, so... I love both of those um, women. Yeah, so it's not like a bunch of schlubs are involved with it. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, it's... Like, I want to be excited for it, because I like the novel. Um, I read it this year, and I think that all those are good actors, and that this obviously isn't uh, Mike Flanagan's first go-round with adapting Stephen King work, so... It's just going to be weird um, with how to adapt this story specifically since it's a sequel to The Shining. Um, yeah. That's just going to be like a weird ground to traverse. So depending on how well that can be pulled off, um, I think this movie has the potential to be really cool. But 
um, I'm I don't know about it yet. It'd be cool if they just if they ever had to flash back to, you know, like when Danny was a kid, they just straight up used scenes from The Shining. Yeah, and I mean, I don't see why that would be completely out of the question. Um, it Who knows? seems like they, you would have to work with whatever studio owns The Shining to make this movie since it's a direct sequel. Um, so I don't see why they wouldn't allow them to use clips from the original. Um, Netflix just got The Shining on their, on Netflix for October, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't, I'm not sure if this is a Netflix-funded project or not. Um, Me neither, but I just thought it was cool that uh, she joined it. Yeah. Because I, mean, I don't think she's really done anything since uh, House of the Devil, yeah, so it's just cool really that she's back. Her, seen her around too much, but she's great in that movie, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to see her joining the cast of this. It adds a little bit more, uh, more excitement to this yeah and the last thing we have to talk about before getting into segment two is more of a psa you can actually go stream the first episode of channel zero season four right now on sci-fi's website or on the sci-fi app it's a little early because the show comes out i think on october 26th but they probably saw how much stuff netflix is releasing and that red dead 2 is coming out on october 26th so they wanted to give people a chance to watch that first episode early and then come back for the second one the week after right that just seems like what they're doing <laughs> yeah and, so uh, um, you should watch it if you haven't yeah and yet. this um they're doing this season one after the other right it, they're showing like all eight episodes back to back one a day for the last week of october oh i didn't know that but that's smart <laughs> yeah oh yeah we did we talked about yeah. that i forgot that's smart okay yeah so, so give people a chance to watch the first one early then they'll be back for the second one the next day right that's cool build up a little hype for it which is cool i think that's a good good way to do it but um i feel like my uh my big theory about channel zero is that sci-fi is getting ready to drop it and Shutter's gonna pick it up dump it straight onto shutter yeah so um i don't know it's cool i think that it's going to do probably pretty well i've seen more people talk about it now since it's been on shutter um and I think maybe this will have decent numbers for once, but we'll have to wait and see. Right. So uh, that's the new segment, guys. We'll be right back with our review of Hellfest. All right, guys, we're back from the quick break. And this week we're talking about Gregory Plotkin's directorial debut, and I guess editing debut, Hellfest. It's a new classic slasher movie from CBS Films, and it stars Amy Forsyth, Rain Edwards, Bex Taylor-Klaus, Christian James, Matt Mercurio, and Roby Atal. It's basically like if Halloween Horror Nights had a real killer in it, and uh, it's, it's okay. I thought it was fun. What'd you think? Yeah, I had a good time with it. Um, yeah, so I guess to get into the plot a little deeper is a um, group of college-aged kids get VIP passes to this, like you said, Halloween Horror Nights-style event where um, it's a huge horror convention. The weird thing is they say it's a traveling convention, but it's clearly yeah, but how? not. How could it be? Because it's basically like a Six Flags theme park where they have concrete buildings and roller coasters and <laughs> huge structures and you can't p- 
pick those up and move them around, so I don't know how in the world this is a traveling event. But uh, regardless, um, these kids get uh, tickets and they go to the event and a real killer is on the loose and starts stalking the main character and her friends. And I think as a concept, that is something that is really interesting. And right. um, I think it really lends itself to sequels without getting stale, um, where you can have this killer come back to the following year's Hellfest, the following two years Hellfest, the following three years Hellfest, you know, and kind of you can keep coming back to it without it really, like you can follow the same formula and it wouldn't be dry coming back to it again and again. Yeah, I completely agree. So uh, the killer is cool. I like his mask and I like the idea that he's just coming in and slicing people up. And I think, I think with the park that this movie takes place in, it could totally happen. Like, it feels believable. The problem is there's way too much going on in the plot. There's way more than there needs to be. Like, immediately, Natalie, who's the main character, comes in and meets her friend, Brooke. She, like, shows up at her door. And it's weird because Brooke is surprised to see her. But then she's like, oh, you came. I invited you to this thing. I'm glad you showed up to this thing you I invited you to that you confirmed you'd come to. <laughs> and then she comes inside and looks at Taylor, who's played by bex taylor claus from scream the tv show and she's like oh i fucking hate this bitch and the lady and then she just calls her grade school for the entire movie and it's like why do you all hate each other i don't i don't get they never explain that it's like why can't everyone be friends there is some it's so weird (laughs) there's some weird stuff like that uh interpersonal relationships that are either barely touched on or they build them up and then kind of throw them away or it's like they want to have the characters be developed, but they also don't want to put any time into developing them. So they just put in weird quirks or uh, insults to each other, inside jokes, and then they're like, well, obviously they have an inside joke. You don't get it because it's an inside joke. It's yeah, like, they never explain any of them. <laughs> it's like, well, what does that even mean? Like, okay, I guess I guess grade school is an inside joke. <laughs> or like, yeah, I guess... It's like, these, how is that an insult like at a, all? <laughs> I guess these two people are... They're dating or whatever. I guess these two people kind of like each other and they might have hooked up at a party or something. Like, they try, they focus too much on giving these characters relationships and um, bonds and then not building them up at all or doing anything with them. Like, they focus on this really (laughs) weird aspect of the movie that has no payoff. Yeah, it's weird. And. I thought Tony Todd would be in it a lot more. He's placed very weirdly in the movie. You'd think he'd be right at the beginning when they enter the park, but he actually only shows up at the very end for about 12 seconds for one sequence. It's like, okay, because there's this goal they have to go through this ride and then go through like four mazes and then they end up in hell, which is the scariest of all the places, I guess. But like, how much time do you have in this park? There's a lot of work. Yeah, this and feels then, like a, <laughs> a six-hour event. Like, you're yeah. there all night. <laughs> and the place is packed. Like, they did a good job of making sure this park felt like it was packed. But every time they go in a haunted house, it feels like it's just them <laughs> in there. Yeah. There's and, never anyone else. And it's weird because one thing about the haunted houses is the quality level of the sets varies extremely, extremely drastically. So... Yeah. Like, one of the sets is literally a bunch of poorly painted lockers on the wall and neon lights. 
and people that just jump out at you. And that's the whole haunted house that they go through. And then there's other ones that are like a traditional haunted house that have, uh, you know, like traps. You get at Party City where you walk by a mirror and something pops out at you or uh, more like realistic haunted house stuff that you would see in like yeah. your hometown if you went to a haunted house. But then there's just some that are actors standing in a room where they paint the walls poorly. <laughs> and it's like, well, that would be a really shitty haunted house, and I would hate to go to that one. But this other yeah, one but for, I for might five, be okay with. <laughs> for $5 million, I think the guy who dressed these sets, though, I think he deserves, like, a bonus. It, because it definitely for the not. most part, he killed it. Yeah, <laughs> like, He did a good job. I would assume this movie had a way bigger budget than that, just based on the sh- sheer scale of amount of people that are there. I mean, there's huge crowds of people. There are multiple haunted houses. There's people in costume. Like, this feels like it was way more expensive than that to make. Yeah, it does. It, it does. And unfortunately, on its opening weekend, it only made $6 million. So chances of a sequel, I would say, are low. But it does end on a predictable yet very creepy note, which I kind of liked. And the kills, the kills are, they're hit or miss. Like, some of them are set up to be really cool, and they cut away, but then other ones, like, for example, you see a character get his head squashed with, like, a watermelon, and it doesn't cut away too quick. Like, you see exactly what's happening, so, like... I like that one, because it's kind of that half, was cool. uh, half a joke also, like, incorporated into that one, so it kind of adds, like, a fun element to, like, the... also having, like, the gore and the scares and all that, so... Um, I don't know. I think it was worth a watch, for sure. I don't I think it probably should have done better in the box office than it did, because I honestly would like to see a sequel to this. Yeah, what did people go see? Like, what came out this weekend? It feels weird, because horror is so hot right now, and people went and saw stuff like The Nun, which honestly, I wouldn't say is that much better than this. Like, it's better, but it's not that much better. Right. This was like a fun slasher movie, and it felt like there was some good buzz around it. So, I don't know. Like, I thought it was fun. The characters are whatever, but it does subvert your expectations like a few times. And even though there's some non sequiturs and missing plot details and bad dialogue and weird story beats, the kills are good and the movie looks good. So it's like I had I had fun watching it. Yeah, um, I really I agree. I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't think it's even a great movie, but I had a lot of fun watching it. And I think that it kind of deserves people to go see it i don't think it was uh, it's not a movie i'm gonna rewatch a hundred times like i honestly would probably be fine watching this maybe once more when it comes out on netflix or something but mm-hmm. like i'm not gonna rush out and buy the blu-ray or anything but i think it's definitely worth a watch or two just because it's yeah fun totally. to throw on like, in the background and it has some good uh good effects and decent story and just kind of a cool atmosphere i mean it was the atmosphere got me so hyped i went to two haunted houses that night yeah, and didn't both of them suck? Yes, they were both bad, but <laughs> but regardless, uh, it got me in the mood, and it was kind of the br- a good movie to kick off October with. We got those cards after uh, Rotten Manor that had a bunch of haunted houses on them. Were either of them one of those house- haunted houses? No, we were thinking about going to Hush, which was one of those, but um, it was kind of far away, and um, it was actually raining the night that we were going to go to that one. And then the night we were going to go to this other one, um, it seemed like too far and maybe a bit too busy. So we checked out other ones that had decent reviews on like Google reviews. Um, and we went to those instead. The first one we went to was a 
um, Slaughtered at Sundown, which advertised on one of our local radio stations. And they had, um, one of the things they were toting was that they had kind of licensed characters like Freddy and Jason and all that. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, no. There's like, no way they paid for those licenses. Oh, they did There's not. No I, I fucking guarantee way. you that they did not pay for them because it was very low budget. How, how did they advertise that? They were like, come to Slaughtered at Sundown with all your favorite scares. We got Freddy. We got Jason. Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, okay. And uh, so the haunted <laughs> okay. house was like maybe 15 minutes long. Uh, and then the haunted hayride uh, was like 80% empty land and 20% <laughs> like okay sets with actors that were. There was one part of it that was like pretty well done where they had a giant stoplight. And then actors would hide behind the stoplight and jump out at you, which was pretty good. But um, okay. other than that, it wasn't that great. Uh, and we were so disappointed with that that we went to a second one, which the setup was much better. But we showed up there like already at 1130, so it was like basically ready to close. Um, <laughs> and this was more of an outdoor festival that had like four or five attractions. And so they had like two hayrides, 300 houses... There was a beer tent. They had live music. They had all this stuff. It was all outdoors. It was really, really a cool event. But um, we were in line for the haunted house, and it was like past midnight. We were in line waiting for this thing. So like the event ends at midnight, but they didn't want to kick everybody out of line. So they were just rushing everybody through the haunted house, <laughs> and it was like terrible. What? <laughs> go, 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 go! Like, it might have been okay. If we got to experience, like, because you know when you go to a haunted house, like, part of the fun is that you don't want to catch up to the group in front of you because then the scares kind of get ruined for you before you go into that room. And this was, like, the opposite because it was, like, you're just in a line walking through a haunted house and you hear a scare go on, like, two seconds before you're even in the room. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I bet that was cool two seconds ago. Well, hopefully we can find some spooky stuff to do in Salem over the weekend. <laughs> so that, that sounds terrible. Yeah, that was my experience. I mean, it was kind of fun to do, but uh, I don't know. I, I was more excited to do one after seeing Hellfest than I was actually impressed with any of the houses I actually went to. That's funny. It's terrible. So <laughs> all in all, people should go see Hellfest. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would. I hope that this movie gets kind of a second wind on uh, VOD release or Blu-ray yeah. release because I'd like to see a sequel to this. I think that this could become an interesting kind of yearly or bi-yearly event. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for uh, episode 47. <laughs> I have to redo that. Well, that's going to do it for episode 47 of Fear Frequency. Uh, That was a really fun episode, George. I'm excited that we'll be able to do the next one in person and talk about Halloween. We will have seen it next week, so you'll hear our thoughts then. Spoiler free. Yeah, uh, definitely look forward to that. Uh, As always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. (laughs) 